0: Hi and welcome to St Ninian's Sermons Podcast. My is Stuart, I'm the Minister at St Ninian's in Stonehouse, which is in Scotland. We are a local ecumenical partnership between the Church of Scotland and the United Reformed Church and that means we reflect both traditions in our work and worship. So let's listen to our reading for this week and then get on to the sermon.
1: And the first reading this morning is from Genesis 12 chapters 1 to 4. God's call to Abram. The Lord said to Abram, Leave your country, your relatives, and your father's home, and go to a land that I am going to show you. I will give you many descendants, and they will become a great nation. I will bless you and make your name famous, so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, but I will curse those who curse you. And through you, I will bless all the nations. When Abraham was 75 years old, he started out from Haran, as the Lord told him to do, and Lot went with him. And the second reading is from John 3, and it's chapter, eh, sorry, verses 1 to 17, Jesus and Nicodemus. There was a Jewish leader named Nicodemus, who belonged to the party of the Pharisees. One night he went to Jesus and said to him, "'Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher sent by God. "'No one could perform the miracles you are doing "'unless God were with him.' "'Jesus answered, "'I am telling you the truth. "'No one can see the kingdom of God "'unless he is born again.' "'How can a grown man be born again?' Nicodemus asked. "'He certainly cannot enter his mother's womb "'and be born a second time.' "'I am telling you the truth,' replied Jesus. "'No one can enter the kingdom of God "'unless he is born of water and the Spirit.' A person is born physically of human parents, but he is born spiritually of the Spirit. Do not be surprised because I tell you that you must all be born again. The wind blows wherever it wishes. You hear the sound it makes, but you do not know where it comes from or where it is going. It is like that with everyone who is born of the Spirit. How can this be? asked Nicodemus. Jesus answered, you are a great teacher in Israel and you don't know this? I'm telling you the truth. We speak of what we know and report what we have seen, yet none of you is willing to accept our message. You do not believe me when I tell you about the things of this world. How will you ever believe me then when I tell you about the things of heaven? And no one has ever gone up to heaven except the Son of Man who came down from heaven. As Moses lifted up the bronze snake on a pole in the desert, in the same way the Son of Man must be lifted up, so that everyone who believes in him may have eternal life. For God loved the world so much that he gave his only son, so that everyone who believes in him may not die, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to be its judge, but to be its saviour. Amen.
0: For the next few weeks, we're going to leave Matthew's gospel behind and return to the fourth gospel, the gospel of John. And Before we start to do that, we need to remember a few things about what John's account of Jesus is like, and that it really isn't like the other three. It's not like Matthew, Mark, and Luke. John's Gospel is really quite different. Rather than giving us a biography of Jesus, John is much more interested in showing us something bigger, the cosmic Christ, that one with God the Father and the Holy Spirit. John's Gospel also connects very deeply to Genesis and particularly to the stories at the beginning of Genesis, like the the poem at Genesis 1 of, of creation, and sets it very firmly as part of that story, that Jesus is a continuation of that story that began at the very, very beginning. Jesus, for John, is the Word, there at the beginning of all things, through whom everything came into being, and the Word became flesh skin of our skin, bone of our bone, and lived among us. The opening passage of the fourth gospel also talks about darkness and light. The darkness is a place where people live in ignorance and sin. The light is Jesus coming to rid the world of that darkness so everyone can live as God intended. So Nicodemus, one of the religious leaders, a scholar, an elder, a member of the ruling council, comes to see Jesus at night in the darkness. We'll talk a bit more about light and darkness next week, but for now it's enough to note that it's dark when Nicodemus comes. He comes looking for illumination. For light to be shed on his understanding. He wants to know more. He wants to understand who Jesus is and what he's been talking about. What do the things that Jesus has been doing mean? And so Jesus and Nicodemus enter into this slightly odd conversation where Jesus talks about being born again or being born from on high. And Nicodemus just doesn't understand. He doesn't understand because he thinks Jesus is being literal. You have to be physically born again. You have to go back into your mother's womb and be born again. And that's impossible. Being born again is one of those phrases that's made its way into church language, isn't it? It's used to describe a particular moment. A moment when things changed. People use that phrase to describe converting to Christianity or giving your life to Jesus or or a thing. It's a bit like On the road to Damascus, Paul sees a blinding light and he's blinded for three days, and God speaks to him, and it's a great big dramatic moment. Some of you will have had experiences like that. Some of you might have had several experiences like that, but some of you won't. Some of you will be wondering what on earth I'm talking about, and probably not for the first time. The reality is that most people come to faith gradually. Most people don't ever remember a time when they didn't believe in God. And that's the case for Nicodemus. He's always been Jewish. There's never been a time when he's not been Jewish. And as a Jew, he knows that he's part of God's chosen people. He's a descendant of Abraham. There's nothing that can change that. He can't renew it or leave it or come back to it. He just is it. But more than that, He's a teacher. He's a leader. He's a person who knows all this stuff about faith and the law. He's an expert. And that makes Jesus' conversation with him a really frustrating one. Jesus says, Truly I tell you that no one can see the kingdom of God without being born from above. The other thing that matters in this conversation is that Nicodemus is old, age was equated with wisdom. Nicodemus is old and wise. Unlike our culture, which seems to value youthfulness above all else, Nicodemus' community valued older people above all else. Because with age comes status and authority and wisdom. So why on earth would you want to be young again and give up that status, that position, all those things that you've learned over the years? But the other part of that age is perhaps the attitude that you've seen it all and done it all. There's nothing new under the sun. He's watched preachers let Jesus come and go. Besides, can you really teach an old dog new tricks? And that way of thinking is confusing for Jesus. How can this man, with all his experience, with all his learning and all his wisdom, just not get it? Nicodemus is supposed to know. He teaches other people this stuff. He's a religious man. But he doesn't seem to understand the fundamental stories of his own people. Even the story of Abraham, the father of the Jewish nation. Abraham wasn't always called Abraham. In the beginning of his story, he was a man called Abram. And God said to Abram, Go from your country, and from your kindred and from your father's house to a land that I will show you. And Abram goes, and these days of people traveling all around the world, that doesn't really seem like a big deal, does it? People do this all the time. They just get up and go and live somewhere else. And it's a blessing, and as we're finding out at the moment, it can also be a curse. People can travel all around the world. They can see things, they can visit places, and they can bring their germs back with them. But in those days, nobody went. Nobody went anywhere, ever. God's call to Abraham is so far from normal, you have to wonder what on earth made Abraham listen, and even consider it. Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to a land that I will show you. From your country, the place where you are, the place where you're from, your kindred, your clan, your tribe, your people, your father's house, your family, your brothers and sisters and nephews and nieces. That's what Abram's asked to go from, to leave all this behind, to leave everything that he has ever known. All of his family, all of his friends, all his security, and perhaps even more importantly, his land. He's asked to become a wanderer, a sojourner. And in those days nobody wanted to do that. Why would you? The only thing that's out there are people who want to kill you and steal your stuff. But after that call, there's a promise. I will make of you a great nation and I'll bless you and I'll make your name great so that you'll be a blessing. I'll bless those who bless you and I'll curse those who curse you. And then you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. Well, that sounds better, doesn't it? Sign me up. Father of a great nation. Blessed. Everyone that curses me will be cursed. That sounds brilliant, doesn't it? I'd sign up for that. But there's just one minor detail. Abram and his wife Sarah have no children. And they're old. Sarah, in fact, is the first woman in the Bible to be described as barren. This whole promise is beyond belief. Leaving is nothing short of madness. How could you think that this old couple with no children father a great nation. It's just bonkers, isn't it? And add to that all the reasons why he shouldn't go. And there's one detail that we've left out. Abram is the only person that knows God. Nobody else does. None of his family, none of his friends, they don't know who God is. Abram's the only person that's heard from God. And he leaves with absolutely no idea where he's going. Not a clue. He goes in faith, knowing that God is asking him to go and that God will show him the way. And his nephew Lot gets dragged into this harebrained scheme too, probably to make sure that the old guy doesn't do something mad are even more mad or perhaps more likely that if he gets killed in two days all of his stuff will stay in the family Abram the old man chooses to be a new person he's reborn as Abraham and the promise that God made is kept Abram is born anew from above but for us I think the important part of the promise is this your nation will be blessed so that you can bless everyone God uses the particular to save the universal God chooses one person well two really Abram and Sarah He chooses them to begin a project that will correct all the things that have gone wrong But look who he chooses an old man and his childless, barren wife. These are the people who will begin to bless the whole of the world. God uses the particular to save the universal. So here in the middle of this conversation with Nicodemus, we read perhaps the most famous sentence in the whole of the world. John three sixteen. Who knows it off by heart? Nobody. You're telling lies. Who knows it off by heart? Uh At least one of you. Who to learn it for a badge in the boys' brigade or the girls' brigade? That'd be me. It's one of those things you see at sporting events, people holding up signs, John 3, 16. It's the gospel in a nutshell. But I wonder how much we think about that sentence and the implications of it. I wonder... If we ever put it back into its context and read it along with verse 17. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, so that everyone who believes in him may not perish but have eternal life. Indeed, God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. God uses the particular, a man. Just one man, his son, Jesus, to save the universal. All of us, everyone, the whole of the world. And it happens in exactly the same way it happened for Abram. By inviting other people into a spiritual rebirth, a relationship to follow God into a new life. And in that relationship, we start to recognize who Jesus really is. There will be a moment at the end of the Gospel of John where the risen Christ comes and stands among his disciples and they finally see him for who he really is. In the middle of a locked room, Jesus literally inspires them, breathes the Holy Spirit into them so that they are in complete relationship with God. Like us, Nicodemus thinks he's already in that relationship. But like any kind of relationship, it can just kind of bump along a pretty shallow level. Or with a bit of work, it can be deepened. And at the deepest level of a relationship, the two people in it become one. And that relationship, mutual, caring, nurturing and loving... This invitation to new life, this eternal life that Jesus talks about, comes through relationship, relationship with Jesus. That's the whole point of the incarnation for John. Why would God bother? Why would God send Jesus to be like us if it wasn't so that we could get to know him better? And the end point of that relationship is a relationship so deep that we live and breathe and have our being in God that's what it means to be born again from above each day is an invitation to set off on a new life to walk a new path to be a different kind of person to live and move and have our being to be saved from the darkness that looks in the corners of each of our hearts To be fully alive, to be completely loved. Each day that invitation is offered to each and every one of us. We are the particular. We are the individuals that God chooses to bless the rest of the world. But like Nicodemus, we have to choose. We have to choose to live out that blessing, to deepen that relationship, to do what Abram does, to go where we don't know, following a promise. A promise that everything will be alright, and that through our blessing, the world will be blessed. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you have any comments, questions or thoughts about this week's sermon, then please do get in touch. We create this podcast at anchor.fm where you can leave us a voice message. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. We post the audio of the whole service each week on our website. There are details of all of this in the show notes. If you're in the neighborhood and want to join us in person, we meet for worship every Sunday at 11am. We'd love to see you.